In life, there will always be challenges. Some manifest via hardships, loss, etc. And some are direct challenges that come from other people, whether it's from haters or supporters. I'm Frank Martinez from This Really Happened, where we tell true stories and how they've affected our lives. In today's episode, we are going to continue our dive into the realm of the real Karate Kid. Stay with us. The beans are about to be spilled. In the previous episode of The Real Karate Kid, we left off at my first black belt test. A lifelong friend of mine, Jaggy Monster, was in attendance. And after it was all said and done, he took me home to begin the recovery process. The first night, I must have slept about 14 to 16 hours. I was a no-call, no-show to my job in the alarm company. And uh, even if I could show up to the job, I wouldn't be able to do anything. After all the exercises and all the exertion that I put on my body, I wasn't able to do anything. I couldn't take off my clothes. I couldn't take a shower by myself. I couldn't even wipe my own ass. For the first, felt like a month, the Jaggy Monster was doing all of that for me. That's a true friend. To sit there and wipe somebody's ass. (laughs) I wasn't even a geriatric or anything like that. It was, uh, there was some really trying times. So in the aftermath of everything that I had to do for my black belt test, all of my muscles were full of bile. My biceps were huge. My chest was huge. Every single ab was filled with bile. Everything hurt. Like I said before, I couldn't take my clothes off. I couldn't do anything. I was an invalid. The recovery process took about three months. And I believe that during that time, Jaggy Monster saved my life. He fed me. He took care of me. He made sure I had whatever medicine I needed. Because at that point, I had already cut a little ties with my family. I had a really bad taste about what happened with my grandmother. And... I wasn't going to go back to my father's house for the reason because I lost the job that he got for me. So I'm sure he wasn't happy with me and I I honestly didn't want to deal with those problems. Jaggy Monster wasn't only a friend that nursed me back to health in dire times. He was also a martial art practitioner alongside with me and a very good one at that. I remember back in high school, he would do backflips in the train station while we're waiting for the train. He was about 145, 150. And one summer passed, and he comes back, and he's like 240 pounds. I don't know what happened to him. I don't know if he had some kind of uh, medical problem, maybe a thyroid issue. But till this day, it's none of my business, and I never asked him. I remember one sparring match that we had. I had a a go-to technique that I would use to end the fight. I would do a front flip and then I would come in with double axe kicks behind it. And until this day, Jaggy Monster has been the only person that was able to stop that. Because in point sparring, the first point struck is the one that counts, not the ones that hit afterwards. Stop me right with a front kick to my forehead, man. 
He was good. He was a really good fighter. Had full splits on both sides. Very technical. A previous Taekwondo background. And then he joined our Goju Ryu school. And I think that's where he really flourished. His techniques went to another level there. I have a funny story with Jaggy Monster and Westman. I really don't know where to fit this anywhere, so I'm going to say it here while we're on the topic of Jaggy Monster. There was this one time, I can't remember where we were, but I do remember where we went. Uh, Westman had his car, Jaggy Monster had his car, and I had my car. We had the bright idea to go to White Castle. So we go to White Castle, this is the one in the Bronx on Fordham Road. And we go in there and we pig out, obviously. And Wes and I at the time smoked. Currently, I'm in the process of trying to quit smoking, and I believe Wes has quit smoking altogether for a while now. Well, anyway, Wes and I were smoking, and Jaggy Monster's there with us. He never smoked or anything like that. And he was just sitting there with us. We were talking, shooting the, shooting the shit, you know. Literally. <laughs> in one... I let a fart go, and we're just talking, and Wes is like, damn, that stinks, right? Jaggy Monster, he had an adherence reaction to sniffing that fart. He was like, was that you? Oh my god, why? <laughs> he starts cleaning the windows at the White Castle. He starts cleaning the windows at the White Castle, starts tidying up, right? <laughs> I don't know what happened to him mentally, but he sat in the passenger side of his car. <laughs> I'm like, who's, who's going to take you home? This guy's brain was gone. He was lost. He was lost. I don't know what happened. The moral, the moral of that story is don't eat White Castle. <laughs> so all White Castle jokes aside, Jaggy Monster has completed his task of bringing me back to full health. And it's time for me to start my life, right? I got a job as a data entry specialist for JP Morgan, and that's where my career in the IT field started. It was a two to three week project, and I showed talent in the IT field, and they recruited me directly from that team to come and join their IT team. At this point in my life, I was ready to go back into martial arts. My sensei for the Goju Ryu system, he decided to move his dojo to Riverdale. The dojo was inside the YMCA of Riverdale, and that was just too far for me to go, and especially with how tough these workouts are, then having to commute back home, it would be it would be very bad, especially when you're that tired and exhausted. So instead, I was studying with our Shotokan master, and he had struck a deal with one of the local Catholic schools to use their gym as a dojo. Shotokan mixed with the nerve striking of ninjutsu has to be my favorite combination of martial arts. The difference between Shotokan and Goju Ryu is the same difference between Japanese Jiu-Jitsu and Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. They're both the same type of style, but one of them is for sport and the other is for combat. Goju Ryu is more of a hard and soft style, basically to try to control the opponent, as where Shotokan's motto is, the house of Shoto, Iken Hisatsu, to kill with one blow. So obviously that appealed to me, 
and Shihan did not hold any punches. He was the type of guy that wanted you to seize opportunities in the battlefield because one day these techniques might be responsible for saving your life and he took that very seriously. By this time in my martial arts career, I had figured out how fragile the human body was and I was walking the path of being a humble martial artist. My sensei that had the martial arts school in the YMCA in Riverdale, when the YMCA would be closed, so would his martial arts school. So we had one of the guys that I used to train with back in Goju Ryu come and, and train at the Shotokan school. We're gonna call him Double L. Double L by this time is in his prime, fully built, just a specimen. Third degree black belt, this kid is a monster. We're training one day and we're doing a simple hammer throw technique, which is grab the arm, bend it in an L shape, and then sweep the back leg and drop the person on the floor. Double L was training with me and he was body slamming me. And it's fine, cause that didn't hurt me. I know how to break fall. We did jujitsu extensively. You can throw me as hard as you want and I'm not gonna fall awkwardly. And then it's my turn to do the techniques to him and I'm going through the technique motion. I'm not throwing him as vigorously as he was throwing me. And Shihan says, Francisco, do the technique properly so that you can see it works. And I told him, oh, it's fine, Shihan. I know the technique works. I know how to do it. He goes, do the technique properly so that you can see that it works. And that was basically him giving me the green light to body slam this guy as hard as he was body slamming me. So I look at double L and I'm like, are you ready for this? He goes, oh yeah, 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 it's no big deal. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> the torque that I generated on this throw, it's, it's something that you would have to see to understand how vicious it was. As soon as I did the sweep, his back was on the floor. There was no falling time. It was technique on the floor. And in the process of him falling down that fast, his leg didn't get out from under him fast enough. And if you guys been in a martial arts dojo that uses the mats, sometimes the little corners of these mats break off and there's a hole there. That is where his pinky got stuck. Ugh. For those of you that like eating celery, <laughs> when you hear that, that's exactly what his, uh, what his toe sounded like. Oof. So he's on the floor screaming, punching me in my arm. You did this. You did this. His pinky toe is dangling off the side. Oh my God. It was, it was disgusting. He had to go to the hospital and I'm sure they made him wear a boot of some kind. And Shihan was telling me, you see, the technique works. <laughs> it sure did, Shihan. It sure did. So by this time, we have a couple of months that we don't see Double L. He actually lived closer to the Shotokan Dojo than he did to the Goju School in Riverdale's YMCA. I can't remember exactly what break it was, but it was like a one to two week period where the YMCA would be closed. So here comes Double L again at the Shotokan School. And this guy has learned a couple of new techniques and he's uh, trying to show them off against his nemesis. Because if you guys haven't figured this out by now, Double L was the guy that I beat up his whole life. He was the one in my black belt test that I kicked him in his back because I knew that was his weak spot. But he also kicked me onto the table where the masters were. So we have a lot of history. In this session, we're doing light sparring. 
And Shotokan doesn't do the point sparring stuff, they're more of a full contact style, getting you combat ready to be able to use these techniques in the street. So Double L and I are light sparring together. And he is going full blast, full contact. And in one, I tell him, if you want, I could turn it up a notch. He's like, oh, no, 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 don't worry about it. I'm just used to going much harder than this. So he comes down, we're fighting, and then he goes full blast, full ham again. And I tell him for the second time, if you want, I can turn it up. And he's like, no, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It's just uh, my training from the other school. This is how hard we go, and that's what I'm used to. I'll slow it down for you. (laughs) He's going to dumb it down for me. Thank you so much. You are so benevolent. So the third time he goes crazy, I show him a technique that he's never seen before. He's coming at me full blast. I catch his hook punch, turn his wrist over, showing that I could have broken his wrist. I take my hand, knife edge, slide it all the way from his wrist to his elbow, push on his elbow, showing him that I could have broken his elbow. And then I slid my hand down to his shoulder and push on his shoulder, showing him I could have done a three-section compound break on his arm. Not to mention that I also kicked him on the inside of his knee and I could have blown his knee out. In that one technique, I did a four break on him if I would have gone full blast. And he was like, oh man, that was nice. That's a good technique. That was pretty good. So I thought he was calm and it was going to be a good session for the rest of it. No. He comes again with his hardcore, and we're light sparring people. This is not full contact. This is just working your techniques out and seeing what works and seeing what doesn't. You're not supposed to go 100% speed or power. This guy is 120% speed and power. He's trying to kick my ass. I was known for taking moves out of video games and bringing them into martial arts. There was a kick that I did once. It's called uh, an Iju kick. And that's the name of the character that used to do the technique. And what he would do is, it looked like he was doing a sweep on the ground, but then he would come up with the kick to the face. I did that kick on one guy once and I knocked the crown off of his molar out of his mouth. On this day, I didn't do the Iju kick. Double L is going hardcore, so I turned it up and I'm going hardcore back at him. And in one, I see an exposure, but the only way that I can hit him I don't even know how to describe this technique. I call it the flamingo elbow. I'm in between his guard. I have my right foot planted on the ground and I raise my back leg and my left elbow comes sweeping up across like an ax kick and hits him on his chest and I flatten him out on the ground. And that took a lot out of him. That took the wind out of him. He was done after that. So it's about a month that I don't see double L And I'm getting a haircut in my favorite haircut spot. And I'm talking with my barber and we're having a good time. And he sees me through the window and he comes in. And he's like, hey, with how hard you hit me the last time that we fought, I've had heart palpitations ever since. I was like, oh man, I'm sorry to hear that. And he left. And then I was talking with my barber and he was like, what do you mean the last time you guys fought? I go, oh yeah, we do martial arts together and... I told him the story of how he was going hard with me and then I turned it up on him. And he was like, serves him right. I mean, I don't know if it serves anybody right to have an irregular heartbeat, but hey, those are the consequences sometimes, I guess. 
After the break, we're gonna go into the problems that I had at Bear Stearns because of martial arts. Stay with us. The beans are gonna continue to spill. By this time in the world, the World Trade Centers have fallen due to a terrorist attack. In the middle of all of this, JP Morgan acquires a company called Chase, and they begin the largest layoff in the financial sector's history. They got rid of almost 500,000 employees to make this deal happen. At this point, I was a junior network administrator. I was in charge of the Global Markets Group, and our offices reside at 245 Park Avenue. Monday, I show up to the office and I look at the queue, seven o'clock in the morning, not a single ticket in there and I found that strange. Normally, on a Monday, you have a slew of people that have miraculously forgotten their login password and locked themselves out. So I would have a plethora of lockouts to take care of before the day even started. Nothing. 11 a.m. rolls around and I don't have a single ticket in the queue. I found that really strange. So I go down to the floor, I leave my office and I go down to the floor and I'm looking to see what's going on. And everybody remember their passwords, they're having no problems, what's going on? Ghost Town. The byproduct of JP Morgan buying Chase, in air quotes they call it a merger, which is not what happened. They didn't merge with Chase. JP Morgan bought Chase so that they could hide their name under a good company. And now it's no longer JP Morgan. It's no longer JP Morgan Chase. It's just Chase. After this restructuring of the company, the entire department that I was in charge with, the global markets department, was gone. I was in charge of 500 to 650 users. And from one day to the next, they were all gone. I call my manager and I'm like, hey, what the hell is going on? He goes, yeah, I meant to tell you, all of your users have been liquidated. So what am I supposed to do? Just come and show back up to work. Everything will even out soon here. You'll have a department to look over. So I did. For about six months, I came to work every day, seven to two. I basically had nothing to do. I even stopped wearing suits. I was coming in there with jeans and and sneakers and stuff like that and you know just sitting there bored out of my mind until a bean counter found me one of these brilliant accountants were seeing that there was money being funneled to the global markets department in the tune of 75,000 estimated per year but there is no global markets department where is that money going to and they found me unfortunately I got laid off and here starts the search for another job. I was able to acquire a position at Bear Stearns via a company called Unidata. They're a consulting company that would offer technicians to large corporations so that they wouldn't have to have those people specifically on their payroll. They would deal with their benefits and all that stuff. These were some of the best times of my income generation. This corporation saw that I was really talented and I had a lot of different skill sets that they could utilize in other accounts. So what they would do is, and this is actually pretty dirty, but they would double dip me. They would build Bear Stearns for me, even though I wasn't there. They had put me on projects such as 
NBC cleaning out their iMac department. They had put me on a project with Bloomberg as well to do rollouts of their computers and stuff like that. And all in all, they would bill all these separate people for my services. And it's only fair that they'd paid me too, so I was getting paid really well. When I was on a project with Bloomberg, I met this guy and we're gonna call him Sage Leo. We hit it off really good. He was a very enthusiastic martial artist and I didn't tell him that I was in martial arts because at this point I knew exactly where that would lead. Oh, you know martial arts, let me see what you can do, blah, 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 whatever. I'm looking at Leo and I'm like, man, this guy has potential to be a good martial artist. I should invite him to come and join my school. He had a Northern Kung Fu background style. And in his mind, he thought that was the best martial arts style in the world. And I'm like, you really don't know what you're talking about until you see what Shotokan is. So I bring Sage Leo into the Shotokan Academy. At this moment in time, the project at Bloomberg is coming to an end and Sage Leo is about to be laid off. I've been studying martial arts with him now for a few months. Great guy, man. I even gave him a place to stay in my house. I think I might have just blown up his spot. Everybody probably knows who he is now. <laughs> well, anyway, I put in a really good word for him and I was able to get him a position in the iMac department at Bear Stearns. And that's when the problem started. It's not his fault. He's a very enthusiastic martial artist, like I said before in the beginning. But man, man, oh man, I thought I kept a nice low profile, you know. At this point in my life, I had already gained a little weight, so I didn't look like much. And all of the meatheads there in the IMAC department in Bear Stearns, they were all martial artists as well, and bodybuilders and all this stuff. Don't get me wrong, we had some good guys. We had my penis. <laughs> That's what he would call me. And we had the champion. We had Kratos. We had a lot of good guys, man. Really good technicians. Top tier, high quality guys. But you also had the group of meatheads. At this point, Sage Leo is convinced that Shotokan is the best martial arts style in the world. And he invites his friend that he believes is the best martial arts fighter that he's ever seen. Long story short, it looks like I'm toying with the guy when we're sparring, and Sage Leo's convinced that I'm the best martial artist in the world that he's ever seen. Maybe that could be brought in some bonus content. I have an idea of some bonus content that I want to do. I'm going to call it the Brooklyn Chronicles. <laughs> But maybe that, maybe that story could be said in the Brooklyn Chronicles. It'll be a short little snippets for you guys to hear. So anyway, Sage Leo's convinced that I am the best martial artist in the world that he's ever seen. He's at the job, and one of the meatheads see him that he's throwing a couple of techniques into the air. And they're like, oh, you're a martial artist? That's cool. Maybe we should spar sometime. You see what I'm saying about the challenges? And he goes, yeah, I do Shotokan in Frank's school. Frank's school? Yeah. That guy's the best martial artist in the world. Why, why, why did he say this? Why, why did you do this? There, the minion goes 
and reports to the head honcho in their group, and we're going to call this guy Red. Red was about a six foot two bodybuilding guy that also did martial arts. If anybody ever heard me back then in the day when you had the really buff people in UFC, or like a guy like Jai White, I was like, guys that big should not be that skilled in martial arts or shouldn't know martial arts at all. He was one of those guys, really big, really strong. And here comes six to seven guys. Hey, I heard you're a martial artist. I'm like, oh, I don't study martial arts. What are you talking about? They were like, Sage Leo said, I said, God damn it, man. Sage Leo said that you're the best martial artist in the world that he's ever seen. And I told him, I, I know a couple of things. And that's when the first challenge started. Why don't you show me what you can do? And I told Red, I don't play fight. And maybe that's what started the whole deal. Maybe I shouldn't have said that. So for a long time, I was able to avoid a direct confrontation with Red and his minions. Because I would do little things to keep him at bay. They would be like, oh, we're gonna, we're gonna go to the gym and we're gonna spar if you wanna tag along. And I kept on telling them, hey, look, if you wanna spar, you can come to my karate school and we could spar there. And nobody had the time to go uptown. One of the minions was practicing his techniques on a wood pallet. We would get a lot of pallets over there at the iMac department because we were in charge of installing computer systems, softwares, and all kinds of stuff. So one of the minions is over there punching a pallet and he's trying to break the thing. And he calls me over and he's like, hey, come check this out. I'm going to punch this thing and break it. So I'm sitting there with my arms crossed and I'm like, all right, let's see what you got. I told him, you got to generate a lot of force to break that because as you can see, this is not just a little powder board. This is actual wood. So he punches the thing pretty hard and the thing doesn't break. And I'm like, you're done. I'm going to go back to work. And he's like, no, no, why don't you show me what you can do on this? So I'm like, here we go. So I go ahead and I charge up a reverse punch. I hit it so hard that I didn't break the wood. I, I ripped out a chunk. It looked like a, a bear bit into a piece of wood. And this guy's eyes bulged out of his head. And obviously he went back and reported his findings to his, to the boss. One night we're at the office and these guys were over here bragging about their martial arts. All of the managers have gone already and we've been known to work pretty late there. And they're talking, well, yeah, I can do this. I can do that. And I'm over here trying to close some tickets out and get the hell out of there, right? So they're all bragging about what they can do. And one of the guys, we're going to call this guy Slim. He says, I took a jujitsu for 10 months. I could probably hold my own against any one of you guys here. And he looks directly at me. I'm not paying attention. And then you hear the, oh, right. So I turn around to see what's going on. And this guy's looking dead at me. And I tell him, I'll tap you out in 10 seconds. And I guess he took offense to that. And he says, I'll put $20 that you don't tap me out in 10 seconds. I go, sure, let's go. So we go to the bathroom at Bear Stearns, a corporate building, where all of us there are making over $60,000 a year. <laughs> and we're in the bathroom getting ready to fight, right? So obviously, Red is orchestrating the whole thing. He has the timer. 
They got the cameras out on their camera phones and it's ready to go. So I told them, okay, if we're going to do this, we're going to start from the jujitsu clinch where you have your right hand on top of their left shoulder and your left hand on their right waist. And then the other person has the same mirror. So as soon as they said start, I have this kid locked up with both of his arms inside my body and I have them on the ground, on my back, applying pressure to the back of his neck. He's done. That's it. Instantly. Trapped. And he's at my mercy. So he obviously couldn't tap with his hands. So he hits the floor with his foot twice. And if you know about jiu-jitsu and martial arts, that's a legal tap. So I let him go. And he's like, I didn't tap, I didn't tap. I go, what do you mean? You tapped twice with your foot on the ground. And plus, you didn't hold your weight against nobody. You were locked up and at my mercy from the beginning. I didn't tap, I didn't tap. So we came back into the office and I'm kind of pissed off. So I give the kid the 20 bucks. And I'm doing my work getting ready to get out of there. And this freaking kid is over there bragging how I didn't tap him out in 10 seconds. You see what I told you guys, man? He couldn't tap me out. Nobody here, blah, blah, blah. I told him, you don't have to put any money. I'll put my whole check, $1,500 for this week, that I'll tap you out in 10 seconds. I go, but I'm not going to let you go until everybody has deemed that I tapped you out. After the break, we're going back into the corporate restroom, $1,500 on the line. Also, the direct challenge from Red to spar inside the workplace. This and much more coming up. Stay with us. The beans will continue to spill. Welcome back. Slim thinks over the proposition for what seemed to be about 20 minutes. And then he says, yeah, let's go do it. So here we are again, Red and all of his minions inside the corporate bathroom of Bear Stearns. They have the timer, the video cameras, and we're starting from the same position the jiu-jitsu clinch. Instead of this kid trying to hold his own against me, he breaks away from the jiu-jitsu clinch and starts running away in the bathroom. It takes me about three to four seconds to catch up to him. I get ready to do the same technique that I did to him before, where I locked him up and then brought him down, but it was actually a fake. I made him guard up top, and then I attacked him on his legs low. I swept the earth out from under him. And as he's falling down to the ground, I'm climbing on top of him in the air and putting a choke, a front choke with the lapel of his shirt. He hits the floor really hard and he screams, I tap, I tap, I tap. And the minion leader, Red, is screaming at the top of his lungs, Woo! Woo! Right? And mind you, this isn't a corporate building. This is not a playground. This is not a gym. This is not a karate dojo. This is a place of work. So I go back to the office, and I'm over there finishing my last-minute things, getting ready to get out of there. And it seemed like it was another 20 minutes before the kid came back from the bathroom. There's blood all over his shirt. He's bleeding from his ear. He's bleeding from his nose. 
I, I messed them up pretty bad. So after that display, they left me alone for a while. But it wasn't too long before they had another opportunity like the previous one where all the managers were gone and they surrounded me again. I'm doing my work, trying to get out of there. It's a Friday night and Red is like, hey, why don't we spar real quick so, um, so we can see what you got. And I told him again, hey, listen, man, I don't play fight. If you want to spar, you can come to my karate dojo, which I was hoping that would work again. But he's like, I'm not play fighting. We can spar right here. And I'm like, this is where we work. He's like, that's fine. I'll take it easy on you. Jesus Christ, man. So I'm like, man, I, I got these work shoes on. I really don't, uh, I really don't want to do this. And he puts me in a position where I can't say no anymore. So here we are facing off and I'm looking at this meat neck and I'm like, I'm going to have to hurt this freaking guy, man. I'm going to have to hurt him. Surrounded by his minions and I'm in a situation that I cannot get out of. Right away, I noticed that this guy's techniques are not on par with my fighting level. So I'm like, thank goodness, man. Thank goodness. I'll be able to just keep this dude at bay and not have to really hit him or anything like that or have to worry about him hitting me or anything like that. Thank you. We're fighting. He's throwing his bullshit techniques. I'm blocking him. I'm stopping short of all of my techniques from hitting him. Previously, before he had this match with me, I showed him some pressure point strikes, right? I hit him on the lung meridian, followed the lung meridian up to the shoulder and hit him there, and then stopped my backhand before it hit his jaw to finish the three-point pressure point knockout. And he said to himself, he goes, if you would have hit me, I already felt myself going. So this guy understands that I know techniques that he doesn't know. So why would you want to challenge, you know? I showed him a hammer throw, the one that uh, Double L got taken down with, and he did that to one of his minions in the workplace, body slammed this dude on the ground, and this guy was pissed pissed i never seen anybody that mad this guy one of these guys hey how you doing sir it's a great day oh thank you so much uh will there be anything else a perfectly speaking english person this guy's jamaican comes out of him listen you bumble clutter i'm gonna bump, bump, bump. <laughs> this dude went ham he did not like that slam that was the guy that was edging this dude on he was like he's too fast for you you can't do nothing you're trash his own minion was trashing him so this guy's chest puffed up obviously and i'm like oh god here we go so he comes with his techniques i'm blocking everything that he has and i step back from him and i tell him hey look you're getting uh emotional i think we should stop this now before somebody gets hurt and the guy was like, if you're insinuating that I'm going to get hurt, you got another thing coming. So he takes a step and I hit him for the first time. I blast him with a sidekick and he goes flying across the room, hits a wall, knocks computers off the desk. He gets up pretty pissed off. And I tell him again, I'm like, listen, I think we should stop because you're getting emotional. And he did. He stopped, and uh, I told him, if you really want to spar, we can go full contact, full blast, as hard as you want to go, just come to my dojo, and I'll be waiting for you there. 
and until this day he has not shown up. The whole moral of the story is, in life, we're going to be challenged. There's only so many times that you're going to be able to deflect the challenge. You're going to have to make a decision one day. Am I going to go for this, or am I going to be a, a punk and punk out? Sometimes punking out might be the best option, and sometimes you're going to have to fight. But remember, the lesson that you teach someone, if you abuse them, that lesson could come back to you. And that's all I've got. Don't forget to like, rate, and share. If you'd like to be a supporter of the podcast, the links are in the description below. On next week's episode, we are doing drugs on The Real Half-Baked. It's Frank Martinez from This Really Happened. The beans will continue to spill. Spill.